This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello there. Welcome into the latest episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. We are back all together. Uh, not not physically, but virtually Tyler Mon, Sam Dykstra, Benjamin Hill. Fellas, it's good to see your faces in a two dimensional form on my screen. How are you? We're good. We're good. Yeah, no, it's good to have you back at the helm of this, Tyler, and not me having to introduce the show that, like I did last week. And being I thought like, you did how great. Did, how does this happen? What is I thought you did great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're back from France. How was France? Ah, oh, it was awesome. It was so great. It's uh you know, I I am happy that like I live in a place that I really love. I love our house. I love this city. I love it. But coming back from like any travel, I just we've been home since Monday. We're recording this on Thursday and I am just like in the in the doldrums of being bummed about my cool trip being over. But I probably shouldn't complain that much. Yeah, was, you got to go on a cool trip. I did get to go on a cool trip. Got to uh, got to hang out in Trafalgar Square, do some baseball stuff. Got to catch a a baseball game at uh, the home of West Ham United, uh, and then just got to tool around France for a little while. I will say, I wore my uh, my Team France World Baseball Classic hat multiple days. I didn't really didn't really get the the doors beaten down trying to talk French baseball with me. Although I was not in the uh, in the hotbed areas of French baseball, Paris is not the biggest baseball playing community out there, so. You know, I now I got to go back and just wear the hat and go to the actual baseball areas in France and see who wants to chat it up with me. Yeah, and find cousins of Bruce Bochy who I'm yeah. sure exist across exactly the just all over. Uh, ben, what's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, done some traveling myself. I was in Regalsburg, Pennsylvania for uh, my stepbrother's kid's birthday party. I was in Pennington, New Jersey, where my dad lives. I was in Penn Lynn, Pennsylvania, near Ambler, where I grew up, where my mom lives. So you can do your traveling. I'm doing mine. Those are pretty cool stops. I would ben ben I comes back from Pennsylvania and just gets bummed he's no longer in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my Paris. I haven't been to any of those, but they sound cool. Um, well, we got a lot coming up for you on this week's episode of the show before the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. You can get in touch, of course, as always, podcast at MILB.com. Send us your questions, your mid-minor league baseball season thoughts, or uh, your pieces of input for the show. And, of course, you can uh, find all of our episodes of this show before the show podcast right here on the very podcasting service from which you are listening to us, to which, on which. You're listening to us, and you can also find us at milb.com slash podcast. Uh, I was going to promote our Twitter handles, but, like, what's the point anymore? Uh, <laughs> what's your threads <laughs> handle, Tyler? Yeah, what about threads? What about the one that uh, invitation only? I am, like, a little sad at the the demise of, you know, I've gotten to know so many fun minor league baseball people through Twitter, and now it's like, oh, you can't even – log into that thing it still exists it exists yeah yeah i'm still using it i've definitely been feeling um the lower and lower engagement which of course i attribute to my own uh 
decaying irrelevance, but <laughs> maybe if you were funnier, <laughs> yeah, that's how I always look at. It. I was like, this is great. I thought I think this is great, but why to get like one retweet and three likes? <laughs> My own the last one that got relevance. no likes. It's just no, like, it's it's Twitter's decaying relevance. Yeah, it's been a little depressing. I might join Threads. You know, I'm not a uh, innovator when it comes to social media. I yeah. just jump ship when I realize the one I'm on just can no longer sustain itself. I mean, I had a Friendster account until 2017. So. <laughs> I uh, I definitely have hit the age where, like, I opened Threads yesterday and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to take the time to learn this. You know, like, I... Uh, nah. We're also in the days where, like, everything's working out the kinks. Right. You know, yeah. Like, like, that's terrible. Yeah. See how um, things go. Yeah. I don't know. It's all awful. We're grateful um, for everybody who's like reached out via Twitter. Like, you know, yeah. Continue to do that. Exactly. Yeah. We love, we love people who reach out however you want to reach out, but I'm still there. I, I've got like a bucket and I'm bailing out the ship as it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you can still find us on there for who knows how long, but we'll always be here. We'll always be here with you on the show before the show podcast. And again, yeah. that podcast email address podcast at MILB.com. And uh, speaking of emails and cool stuff from minor league baseball and uh, the King himself of the business of minor league baseball, Benjamin Hill, uh, new newsletter coming out um, in which we get to learn a lot about Ben's trip to Pensacola to visit the blue Wahoos uh, for the first time in over a decade. Um, one of the things that fascinates me about that team, just as a complete aside, is the people who say blue Wahoos and the people who say blue Wahoos. <laughs> I don't know which is which is right. Uh, but Ben, Pensacola, uh, you got a chance to get there for the first time since 2012. A lot of changes, I would imagine. That was the inaugural season for that team. Yeah. So it's been 11 years since I've been out there. I don't know if it's correct. Blue Wahoos or blue Wahoos. But uh, it didn't sound any different the way you said it either way. Yeah, I realized I forgot the distinction in the time. It ah, me. Blah, blah. Um, yeah, that was the third stop on my last trip um, following Birmingham and Montgomery, which we've talked about uh, in previous episodes and which have been detailed in previous uh, editions of the Ben's Biz Beat newsletter. Um, I spent two nights or in two games uh, with the Blue Wahoos because – well, it just worked out that way on the schedule. And also I thought, hey, this is a team with a lot of stuff going on generally, you know, a team we've covered from afar for various reasons. And uh, I can make it work. Got uh, two days there. The weather was really bad the entire time, uh, except that there was just a window for the game on both days. And I think indicative of the extent to which Pensacola has really embraced that team. I've been to a lot of ballparks through the years. Um, you know, where the crowds maybe not that great, even on like a Friday or Saturday and, you know, hear from the front office and they're like, yeah, well, you know, the weather forecast was, it's going to rain all day and, you know, people don't show up. And I think there's definitely some truth to that, but in Pensacola, especially that first day I was there Saturday, it was horrible weather. And at game time, it was still horrible weather and people really showed up, waited it out in an hour ish rain delay and, um, just really good energy at that ballpark. And uh, really good crowds. And, uh, you know, the Blue Wahoos have always been really committed to customer service. They are kind of famous or infamous, famous for their fan surveys that they send out to everyone who buys a ticket. They respond to those surveys like each and every one. I mean, they really try to customize the experience, um, respond to complaints as soon as they get them. Um, you know, the owners of the team, uh, Quint Studer and his wife, Rishi, um, 
you know, they've built, they've, uh, they, they now own other businesses uh, in downtown Pensacola. And I think they've really committed to not just the team itself, but the, you know, the community as a whole. Um, there's a coffee shop, I think that's in partnership with Bubba Watson called Bodacious that I, uh, that Bubba I, Watson who's a part owner. Right? Yeah. Bubba Watson part owned Pensacola native, I believe certainly lives in Pensacola. Bubba Watson was actually at that Saturday game. Um, we were hanging out in an empty room in the press box and then someone opened the door and was like, Hey, can you guys clear out Bubba's here? <laughs> I was like, Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Gotta make way for the golf legend. Um, and he did, he came in with his family and waited out the rain delay a little bit and saw the game, you know? So he's not just a, uh, you know, a distant owner who got roped into partial ownership of a minor league franchise or anything. I mean, he has a real, I think, commitment to Pensacola as well, uh, along with the Studers and, um, so just good to see that all in action. The day I was there on, um, was it the first day or the second day? The first day I was there, June 17th, uh, was also their Copa night where they are. And I and I realized that I and perhaps we have been saying it wrong all the, ever since it was announced. The Pensacola poke to poke. I had been saying pock to pock. Um, poke to poke, but it's P-O-K-T-A-P-O-K. This is Ben Hill, and I'd like to issue a correction. You know how I was just talking about Pensacola and their Copa identity, the poke to poke and I talked about how I was saying it wrong the whole time? No, poke to poke is wrong. I kept saying it wrong. It is pock to pock. The Pensacola pock to pock. Ben Hill regrets the air. And it's in reference to poke to poke, the sport, uh, the old, oldest known ball sport in the Americas, uh, you know, that dates back over 3,000 years. Uh, some real intensity with that game um, in that games were sometimes played, you know, as literal life and death situations um, where the losers would be, you know, perhaps sacrificed. So as tough as losing is in today's uh, sports world, just, you know, keep that in mind. We you are, get to go home. At the you end get of the to day. go home at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I think that logo has been really popular and the story behind it is cool. Um, in terms of the game itself, though, I think they maybe struggled a little bit with, you know, finding real life elements to really connect with it right now. Um, I was hoping to see, you know, I knew it was unlikely, but a demonstration on the field of people playing some approximation of poke to poke. Uh, but if not that, maybe some guests on the concourse who are, you know, rooted in the history and culture um, of the sport, but there wasn't too much, you know, peripheral stuff going on with it outside the uniforms and, you know, the merch and the logos. Um, so I think there's room to expand it. I think I still think it's one of the coolest, you know, Copa identities out there. I like that they took a different tact than um than just doing something a little more basic based on a food item or something like that. Um so it, it was it was cool to be there for that, but um I hope in the future as they continue to develop it, there's just uh, more um you know activations around the ballpark, more elements uh of it that really bring this identity to life because it is one that obviously needs a little bit of explaining. Um I was there the next day on June 18th, Father's Day. Um I was all sad and lonely. It's raining, and I'm like, oh, it's Father's Day, and I'm alone in a rainy hotel room. But you know, I got over it. And um Focused quite a bit on food that day. And uh, I think, you know, we've focused, we've uh, featured the Crabzilla on this podcast, which I don't believe is being sold right now, but they're massive seafood sandwich. But they, this is a team that really does food very well. There was a Cracker Jack chicken and waffles. 
Uh, there was uh, Cuban tacos, like a Cuban sandwich, but in in taco form. Uh, there was Dole Whip, which is a very simple thing. I didn't really grow up with it, but people seem to really love it. It's just like a soft serve type pineapple mm-hmm. dessert. Um, there was that for dessert. Um, the bullpen burger with like barbecue sauce, double bacon cheeseburger. Um, you have a lot of options uh, at the ballpark for that. And, and the concessions are laid out really nicely. Each one and kind of resembles a standalone storefront, you know, in the style of an Irish pub or in the style of like a fifties diner. Uh, so there's a lot of just re- creative creativity with the food, a lot of different points of sale and just the way the blue Ahus operate in general. Um, you know, just really making sure that there's something for everyone. So, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, that aspect of it as well. And, you know, it's Pensacola. So you have Pensacola Bay right behind the ballpark. You have what I believe is the smallest ballpark in double A. So, you know, not a ton of fixed seats, but, you know, plenty of room to move on the concourse and, uh, you know, with the water and the breeze and so much room to move. And, you know, I did not partake being, you know, on the job, but, you know, being able to get, you know, some cocktails, maybe some uh, slushy alcoholic beverages. There is like just like a really nice vacation feel there. And uh, I remember feeling this way in 2012 and I felt it again, like, man, I'd love to just come and hang out for a weekend here and just, you know, take it all in. But uh, that was Pensacola. And I got, you know, of course, more material on the way in development from from that trip. And um looking forward to sharing it with the world as always. Yeah, you you listeners at home can't see it, but Ben was winking heavily when he said, I did not partake. Uh, I think he winked three times as he as he said that. But Ben, you mentioned <laughs> being there in 2012. It's not true. It's, not true. <laughs> it's it's true as far as they know. Yeah. Uh being there in 2012 to now, what stood out as being different? You mentioned the Copa identity being different. I'm sure some of those storefronts are relatively new. Some of the food might be different, but like, was there any structural changes or anything that really pops when you walked into like I don't remember that being there. You know, not not too much. No, um, I think it's still eleven years is a long time, but I still think in the realm of uh, ballparks, it's pretty new. And um, with the space that it has, I don't think there's like a ton of, you know, ability to you know build out you know entire new group areas or seating sections. There wasn't anything that popped out at me that was like, whoa, you know, this wasn't here last time. Um, yeah, just a lot of cosmetic changes, you know, through the years with, with branding of different things on the concourse, you know, with the specific food items. Um, but I, I felt like the core of it reminded me quite a bit of it did as it did in 2012, but not in a way that seems stagnant, but just kind of having a great formula going in, tweaking it along the way, but not needing to do any major changes. Uh, well, you can, of course, subscribe to the newsletter, the Ben's Biz Beat at MILB.com. And uh, Ben, we've got a conversation this week from the Southern League, correct? Which is going to be our uh, our interview segment as we continue jaunting around the world of minor league baseball through the eyes and the voice and the brain of Benjamin Hill. Yeah, this last trip was all Southern League, uh, Birmingham, Montgomery, <clears throat> Pensacola and Biloxi. We'll talk about Biloxi next week. I really like to spread it out and each one on a cliffhanger. People are like, no, you know, keep like, next you know time. no, keep going. I know. I understand your frustration, but Birmingham was the first stop. I, we have already spoken quite a bit about Birmingham, but when I was in Birmingham, I spoke with longtime broadcaster of the Birmingham Barons, uh, Kurt Bloom, who has been with the team since 1992, uh, back to their previous home of, uh, you know, Hoover, the Hoover Met, um, which was in Hoover, Alabama, a suburb of Birmingham. 
but he's been there since 1992, has seen a lot with the team. You know, he was there for the Michael Jordan year in 1994. Uh, now he gets to broadcast out of a, you know, a great uh, booth in a really great ballpark, uh, Regions Field, located in downtown Birmingham proper. Um, so I'm not sure if I'd ever actually met Kurt before, even though I've been aware of him for many, many years. Uh, but it was great to catch up with him before the game and uh, just have a fairly brief conversation because a game was going to start soon, but he was really gracious in talking to me about uh, his long broadcasting career and you know, his time in Birmingham and uh, some of the memories associated with it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you are the longest tenured Baron, is that fair to say, in terms of uh, here around the front office? I laugh. I hate that, but it's true. Yeah. You, know, you, can't, you can't hide what you are. Yeah. And, and Ben, as much as I, I, I don't like it and I joke about it, um, it says something to be around that long. Absolutely. I mean, I've, obviously I've done something right, uh, as little as it might be, to, uh, to not get thrown out. So uh, in that case, I... You know, I, I do appreciate it, and yeah, it's it's kind of a neat feeling. You know, I I, I enjoy it. Don't don't let me kid you. I, I do enjoy it. Of course, I mean, you'd have to enjoy doing this to do it so long, right? I mean, it's, it's passion. It's a, it's a passion. I was blessed um, when I was growing up in New York in uh, Westchester County. I was nine years old, and um, I wanted to be the Yankee center fielder, and the next best thing would be I want to be the Yankees broadcaster. And I would go to bed at night with a transistor radio. You remember the little earpieces and listen to Phil Rizzuto and Bill White and Frank Messer call the games. And I just knew athletically I, I do, I, it was never going to happen for me. And I just carved out a path. And it's, it's, a very, it's a very big blessing to know when you're nine years old what you want to do. And it was just carving that out and continuing to do it and find out the direction and go from there. And initially, what, was, uh, what brought you to Birmingham when you're – you know you want to be a broadcaster you're looking for jobs oh, well i i rubbed a crystal ball i said i bet you one day we're, we're going to get michael jordan so i, I <laughs> yeah. now, now you know ben i've always answered it this way um the jobs seek you which means i could be you could be interviewing me in one of 100 places okay and it was just that the birmingham barons had an opening and I had some sales experience, and the brand new president general manager at that time, Bill Hardikoff, wanted someone who could sell. I was in Huntsville. Um, it could have been the uh, Tulsa Club. It could have been Frisco. It could have been Rochester. It could have been, you know, I didn't, I didn't go, that's where I want to go. 
they were the ones that said, okay, everything that you're presenting to us is good enough. We'd like to offer you the job. So you were in Huntsville before that? I was in Huntsville before that with the Stars. That was in 91, uh, two years in Prince William, and I started my career in Bakersfield in 88. Wow. Bakersfield, yeah. uh, were they the Blaze then? They, no, Dodgers. We had the yeah, Dodgers. They were the Dodgers. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, and since you brought it up, that's probably what you get asked about to this day, maybe the most, but you were here for the mm-hmm. Jordan year. I mean, what was that like, just traveling with the team, road well, games, home games, just the whole energy? One thing, Ben, that we learned that year, you got fined if you use the word circus or uh, traveling rock stars and all that, because it was used so many times. But I can imagine now just a little smidge of what the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, what uh, now, now you know, to, to reach your current audience, Taylor Swift goes through, because yeah. we were it. Um, you know, we played in front of just under one million people that year when you include Home and Road. And, uh, you know, never prior to that did I have people lined up um, at the hotel, lined up at our restaurant, lined up anywhere else. And it was just one of those things, again, people asked me about it. I, I didn't win a contest. It wasn't like, all right, send your tape in and you can be the, the announcer for Jordan. I just happened to be here. And, you know, through the, the baseball gods, which you never mess with, the White Sox, you know, sent him here and I happened to be here. Uh, and then every day I, I looked at it, and I, I'll never forget those first couple of weeks, never, ever believing he'd get to the finish line, uh, doubting him like everybody else did, and which that's a great thing that I learned. The more you doubt, the more that he tries to prove you wrong, which he did. And then by midseason, you try to teach, or not teach, but rather you try to treat like anybody else. Anybody, he's my, you know, he's my outfielder. He's not Michael Jordan. He's a you know, part of the outfield. Um, we need him to drive in runs. He's hitting sixth or seventh. You know, you, you got to eliminate all that other abstract. Now, it was hard because the world wanted, um, you know, Bill Hardikoff tells a story. We played that night. The opening night for him was 150 credentialed media from around the world, around the world. And it was like that for at least the first half of the year, wherever we went, the media was just, you know, enormous. Me growing up in New York, it was kind of neat because I got to meet a lot of people that I had read, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Lupica's online too, you yeah, know. Yeah. Peter Ressi wants to talk with you. I'm like, whoa. Um, but at the end of the day, to try to answer that question, um, what was it like for me? What was it all about? The bottom line is for any broadcaster, any year, any day, is build trust. And that's what I think and I'm pretty sure that I built trust with him and he built trust with me. And um, obviously that was a very memorable year and I know memorable moments can kind of mm-hmm. blur together after a while, but what were, when you try to think back on it all, what are some of the most memorable moments that, that you witnessed calling Barron's baseball? Well, Jordan's home run is one that will, it's like it happened yesterday. Yeah. You know, we were at Hoover Med, it was against Carolina Mudcats, and in that game, he hit the he hit the ball to the wall three three times, two times, and then the third one was the home run. So it was almost like he was setting it up for the for the dramatic. Um, I've always said this: all your championships are special, and I've been a part of uh, what is it now four with the Barons uh, franchise, and uh, uh, three. Three. So those are special because that's why we're here. That's why everybody's grinding. They don't care about 
you know, Kurt Bloom called a, a you know, a, a walk-off base hit or a great catch. But we're all here trying to win and get that ring. So the, the three championships that I have with the Barons, those are memorable. Any day in the life of Michael Jordan is going to be memorable. But I guess the real good answer would be the relationships that you build with these guys. And, and that's what I'm really, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I can walk into a lot of places and, hey, CB, how you doing? Hey, man, it's great to have you up here. Last year when I went up and did that Chicago game, that, that you know, good part, good part of that locker room was like, hey, man, you got here. It's great, man. We're looking forward to it. That, that, that was a big day, big moment. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, obviously, Hoover Met was a very different atmosphere than this. Um, you know, what are your memories of calling games at, at, at that ballpark? Or I, just your, if not specific ones, just. Well, the, fir- the first thing about the Hoover Met, Ben, is that give it, going back to my Huntsville days, yeah. okay, remember, we'd come in as a visitor, and to see that incredible long drive before you get to the ballpark was so impressive. Beautiful, manicure, uh, manicured and, and landscaped the trees and um, the, the whole area leading up. And then finally this beautiful ballpark, sprawling ballpark opened up. And I was like, whoa. To, to get there and be their home guy, I was like, wow. To this day, I don't think that there's a bigger press box in all of minor league baseball. It's absolutely massive. And so I walked into a palace and a kingdom and then a few years into that, we opened up the windows. And so, I mean, I literally had a view of, of like, you know, miles out there. And you could see the parkway. You could see the school. You could see the trees. You could see everything out there. So, um, and, and that's where basically there's no doubt about it. I cut my teeth there. I grew up there. My family was there. So I, I will always, always have a special place for Hoover Met. I can't. I can't not. You know, I mean, I spent 21 years there. Yeah. Wow, so you had a huge chunk of time, and now it's been 10 years at this ballpark. Yeah. And this is one of the nicer ballparks in AA mm-hmm. and all, all of minor league baseball. Yeah, we're so proud, so thrilled. Um, when you build and you get a new ballpark, you only have one chance yeah. ever to make it right. And... and they did, when I say they, the Barons, the um, uh, architects, uh, our ownership, the mayor, city council, everybody involved, they did it right. And those first few years, I think the, the most fun I got was when visitors, I would run down, Ben, when the bus would come, and I wanted to see visiting team players when they first saw the ballpark. They're like, oh my God. Guy took a picture, one of my favorite stories, a pitcher took a picture. And his family said, I didn't know you got to the big leagues. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's how proud we are of this. And, you know, I've had two incredible homes. Lucky, lucky guy. Two great homes. Hoover Met, Regions Field. There's about 120 broadcasters that would kill to have one or the other. And I've, I've had them both. And talking about broadcasting specifically, um, you mentioned listening to uh, the radio as a kid mm-hmm. and uh, your formative uh, influences. Um, but what do you think is most important to your approach, or how would you describe it? Easy, easy. One word, passion. Yeah. Passion. You have it, and, and I don't care if you're a mailman or you are working at Cook's Pest Control or you're selling Honda Civics. If you love what you're doing, and that is the greatest part of the gift that was given to me from God, 
that I love every day. This is 36 years, and it doesn't matter. Tonight, we're zero and zero. I've got a lot of energy. I'm ready to go. If, if you carve and take that passion out, you carve that part out of my body, there's nothing left. So to be a broadcaster and to do all these other things, you have to start with passion, and I've been blessed that that's the greatest feedback I get is when someone says, man, you really sounded like you had a lot of fun. I did. Yeah, what more could you want? And I, that's it. I'm like, good. My day's made. Yeah, and like you said, you, you hated that initial question of, uh, you know, being the longest tenured, but it goes oh, back to that yeah, pa- it yeah, goes yeah. back to that passion. It goes back to I, still finding joy. No doubt. No doubt. They would have made a change. Let me check in with my station for a yeah, second. Yeah. I think we're about ready. Conrad, you there, my man? Oh, oh, you better blame that on your buddy Saber. Um, partner, yeah, he told me CVO, but even better. What time uh, What time are you doing? Uh, we got about two minutes? Two minutes. All right, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to have you, partner. Yeah, you, you know, you get asked that, and, and inevitably, anybody. When, when, when I got to the White Sox last year, Every media member here, all of our local, t- the first thing, the long tenure broadcaster, the guy who's been here for a long, it is what it is, right? You know, I want to joke about it because that's who I am as a person. I want to have fun with it and um, in, enjoy it. And then you look back and you go, you oh, know, I must have done something right to just, you know, they haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, it, it's, look, it's an honor and a blessing. You hear it and you're like, oh. One of the things that just happened, I'm not sure if you caught wind of it, the broadcaster for the Montgomery Biscuits just was told, and they announced it today, he's going to do the Tampa Bay Rays uh, pre and post. Chris oh. Adams Wald, do you know Chris? I don't know. Uh, him. Of him. Of him, yeah. So, you know, it's another, you know, big day, big moment in the, in the minor league world when a guy can get up to that level. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, from some uh, tales from the Southern League from Kurt Bloom, we are uh, headed to the wider scope of top prospects in minor league baseball as the 2023 Futures Game rosters have been announced. Futures Game coming up on Saturday, July 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. That's local time at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, where uh, some of the top prospects in the entire game of baseball will be on display the American league against the national league. And man, there is a lot of pretty amazing talent uh, on both of these squads this year. Uh, Sam, we have 
not done a draft in quite some time. Uh, that is one of our favorite tasks to do on this show, whether it's hats or logos or players or whatever. Uh, so we're going to do a futures game roster draft in which we're each picking uh, some of our favorite talent and uh, trying to build a team of our own. Uh, and we need to figure out who goes first. We do. Neither Apparently Google. Like, Tyler, you and I were talking about this. We, neither yeah. of us have quarters on us. I guess we're just because it's 2023. We're, we're modern men, I yeah, guess. We just right. don't have change. Um, but Google just has a quarter flip on its page. You can just huh. They, I, I don't have to go to a secondary website. So no. I would say call it in the air, but like there's no air here. Yeah. It's literally just on my page. So call it. What do you want? Uh tails. Tails. All it's right. Gonna be, so it's flip. Gonna it's gonna be heads. And it's heads. All right. So I'm going first. See, but I, I do want to point out, I can't see. It could have been tails and Sam was just. You like, want me to share my screen? Break. I will share my screen if it makes you feel better. Uh, you just have multiple. You had multiple flips. You know, you just went with. Uh, it's kind of cool, though. that They've got a. Yeah, now he's sharing a screen. It just happens to be on heads. But I noticed that there's a flip again button right down there. You could have just done. Well, because when you type in quarter flip, it did it immediately, which is what happened two minutes ago. Oh, sure it did. Sure it did. Yeah, was it on tails when that happened? Black, yes, but I hit Black flip Hawks again. get Connor Bedard. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> and Sam Dykstra gets pick number one in our futures game draft. Yeah. All right, Sam, let's fire it up. So we're building rosters. We've got, of course, the the whole lineup, uh, designated hitter and a starting pitcher. Uh, Sam, kick us off. Where are you going? I am going to go with our number one overall prospect. I'm just going to make this super simple. I'm going to go Jackson Holiday at number one. Jackson Holiday gets on base almost as well as anybody in minor league baseball right now. I think he's fourth in on base percentage in all full season. It's consistently around that like 450 mark. Uh, and the fact that he's been doing this at 19 years old at high A, he leads all high A qualifiers, not OBP as of recording date right now, after he just went five for five. I mean, he had like a little bit of a dip in June and he's coming on strong in July. This guy makes adjustments. I think he's a solid shortstop. Um, not going to be the best defender on my team. We'll see how the rest of this shakes out, but like the guy's going to hit, he's very comfortably your number two, number three hitter, uh, put him right in that heart of that lineup. The, the power's coming along to Jackson holiday. Number one pick. All right. Well, just to make you mad, then I'm taking, uh, your boy and, uh, a guy who also goes by Jackson, Jackson Churio. I'm gonna Did I say holiday? The... I meant Churio. Sorry. 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 <laughs> All right. I'll take Jackson holiday. No, then. no, 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 no. You it's a Churio. good year to be named Jackson. Uh, so I'm going Jackson Churio. I know the numbers have not been as great for Jackson Churio this year. Uh, as of course we saw from him last year in his big breakout season between three teams, uh, in minor league baseball a year ago, but he's 19 years old playing for double a Biloxi. He is kind of starting to get things figured out. Uh, does have 10 home runs this season. Strikeouts have been uh, a little bit more of an issue this year uh, than maybe what they were in the later stages of last year. I know he did strike out a lot uh, with Carolina, but um, the time that he spent in Wisconsin and Biloxi last year uh, kind of got that toned down a little bit. But hey, man, he is one of the most talented players in the game. Uh, and I'm going with uh, with Sam Dykstra's boy, Jackson Churio. He is my pick, number one. All right. Well, now, it, yeah, we're, we're going snake, snake now, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to take a shortstop uh and man there is a glut of shortstop talent but the guy who i'm gonna snag uh i'm going with jordan lawler uh the arizona diamondbacks uh top prospect number six overall in baseball similarly 
to Jackson Churio, a guy who is very young uh, at double A. He's 20 years old at double A, but he's got an OPS over 800 right now. He's hitting 245, 346, 462, uh, 12 homers. Um, I like his body of work this season. I'm going with Jordan Lawler as my shortstop. And Jordan Lawler has done a great job of adjusting to that double A level. I mean, Amarillo is like a launching pad. He's going to put up some numbers there, but he kind of struggled in April and May and really turned it around in June. And again, starting out double A at 20 years old, he got a little bit of time there last year. Um, I like that pick a lot. And a guy who can bring speed to the table. Lots of things Jordan Lawler can do. Um, So shortstops are off the board. We will have a DH spot. I guess we didn't explain that. We're going one per position. Yeah. We're we're only doing one starting pitcher. And one starting pitcher. We're not going to build a whole rotation out of this. I'm just going to make kind of your basic starting lineup. Uh, But we will have a DH spot. So any of those shortstops still on the board could be your DH. Could go anywhere. Um, My next pick, I guess this is, we're going kind of chalky here. But again, I just like this guy a lot. I'm going James Wood. Okay. I'm the Washington Nationals. Uh, About as well-rounded a prospect as you're going to find. Another guy who's reached double A in just his second full season, having some success there. Hits better than you would think, given his size at 6'6", 6'7". Moves better than you would expect at that size. Can really pound the ball. Make loud contact. um, Bats from the left side. He can play center. He can play right, depending on who else I take, uh, because he has the arm for that. And now that he's at double A, he's bumping up against Robert Hassel III, another guy who could play center field. Um, So he's versatile in that way. Uh, James Wood, just a premium talent, who I think... A lot of people believe might be in the conversation for number one overall prospect wise. I don't think he's quite at that level of a Jackson holiday, Jackson Churio or uh, Ellie De La Cruz, but he's, he's knocking on the door for sure. So I'm going to go with James Wood okay. as my first outfielder. Uh, and now it snakes back to me again. And let's see. So I have shortstop. I have outfielder, which are two, premium positions i am going to hmm you know what i just said this and i'm uh you know what no i'm gonna go junior camonero ah junior camonero as my third baseman i was overthinking it for a second there i I, it's become a trope over the last few years jackson churio is my guy I, I do the Brewers top 30 for MLB pipeline. Like I, I have an attachment to that guy. It's been really fun to see him. Now I think I mean, Jim and Jonathan is my guy for this. Yeah. Well, now he's, now he's your guy. Yes. Cause you stole him from me and you knew what you were doing and you should apologize, but I'm getting my guy this year, which is junior Caminero. Um, I kind of wanted to put him on the top 100 to begin the year because he was somebody who moved pretty quickly through the race system last year. Now that's continuing. He's another guy who's only 19 years old at double a actually performing better than Churio is. He's not as fast. I don't think he's going to be quite as good a defender, but he's been a better hitter than Churio has at, at the same level at the same age um, can hit for power can hit for, for average. Uh, I think the power is going to be even better than his hit tool in the end, but just somebody supremely advanced and another raised development success story. Cause when they got him, he was only in the DSL. Now he's at double A and they're moving him quick. So uh, Junior Camonero, I'm going to put him at third base. He has eligibility at, at second. He plays a little bit of short, but I'm going to stick him at third. 
All right. Uh, I'm going to nab my third baseman as well, then. And I'm going to take Noel V. Marte, um, who is now, of course, a member of the Cincinnati Reds organization, formerly with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, plays a little bit of shortstop, but now primarily over at third. Uh, got a chance to watch him in the, in the World Baseball Classic qualifiers last year. And he definitely has that the build and the feel of a guy who is going to be a dude. And, uh, you know, the Reds, obviously, with a lot of talent uh, already at the major league level and coming up. But you think about a lineup that includes Ellie De La Cruz and Noelvi Marte, potentially, along with all the other guys uh, who have made such a big impact up at Cincinnati this year. Um, I like that. Going with Noelvi Marte. Uh, and then I think I'm going to snag. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a catcher and I'm going to go grab everybody's favorite uh, king of England, Harry Ford. Uh, I'll snag the the Mariners uh, catching stud prospect with my uh, what would that be my fourth selection? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm going Harry Ford, um, who I did learn uh, by the way that Harrison Ford, the act. So Harry Ford, the the baseball player, full name Harrison Ford. I was reading in an article about Harrison Ford that the people closest to him do call him Harry. So at some point, we got to figure out Harrison Ford and Harry Ford how they meet. Yeah, and I know Kelsey Hennigan talked to Harry Ford about being named Harrison Ford. Yeah. Got his thoughts on it, and he was just like, "Uh, it it seems more like a coincidence than anything. I mean, it's not like he's grown up a major Star Wars fan or anything because of a result of that. I think he enjoys being called Harry. But, and Tyler, I know you listen to the Conan podcast just like I do. I I don't know if you've heard that episode I have not yet. I have not heard it yet. All-time classic. I cannot imagine... Harrison Ford being called Harry. <laughs> I just can't imagine looking that man either. in the face who and seems like a lovely Harry. fellow. Yeah. And calling him Harry. No, just I'd not. be scared looking him in the face. Period. Yeah. He's just, well, that's true. He's a very yeah. intimidating man. He is. Um, all right. You're up next. All right. My two picks next. Uh, I said, you know, James Wood might be forced to a corner and I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to go Pete Crow Armstrong <laughs> as my center fielder with a bullet. Um, just covers all sorts of grass out there. I mean, this guy can win multiple gold gloves, and I feel more comfortable saying that than I have ever said that about a minor leaguer before. Um, just really good roots in getting to balls. He's very fast, so even if you know he's moving directly there and most people wouldn't catch it, he's getting to it, making sliding catches, making things look acrobatic, and he's hitting a little bit too. I mean, there's a reason why we're high on him, and that he's showing progressing power. He's holding his own at double A this season, uh, doing all the right things. I fully expect him to be triple A maybe by the end of this month, to be honest with you. Uh, so the Cubs, I know it hasn't been a quite a banner year at the top level, but PCA is coming and he's going to be somebody super exciting. So PCA stick him in the middle of the diamond for me. And then I'm going to grab my pitcher. I'm going to go Tink Hens of the St. Louis Cardinals. There are reasons why you can question Tink Hens's prospect status. Uh, the guy has not thrown deep into outings yet. He's really capped at like five innings. He just joined double a, uh, he puts up stellar results everywhere. He just hasn't seen a lineup really a third time. What happens when that goes, but like in terms of package of pitches, in terms of repertoire, it's as deep as anybody in the minor leagues. He throws really good fastball, uh, mid nineties. He can throw a slider and a curveball that looked different and distinct and both are at least above average. He throws a really special changeup. It's all there for Tink Hens. He just needs to consistently show it. And not that we're saying this is a lineup we're building for the futures game, but throw him out there for one inning. He's going to have everybody swinging and missing. So uh, Tink Hens is my pitcher. Okay. 
Interesting. Um, I am going to add a little bit of positional versatility here. Uh, A guy who can both catch and play first base, but is going to be my first baseman is Tyler Soderstrom. Strong for his name uh, and a dude who uh, obviously has a a wealth of talent. Um, So far, he's the number 35 overall prospect in baseball. So far this year with Vegas, uh, Tyler Soderstrom has been fantastic. He's just 21 but he's OPSing 846. Uh, he's got 20 home runs as of this recording. He had 29 last year uh, in 134 games uh, with three different teams in the minors uh, at high A, double A, and triple A. Um, so this year with triple A Las Vegas, he's on pace to blow past that mark. Um, he's played 68 games so far this season. He's already uh, just nine homer shy of his total from last year. So I'll go Tyler Soderstrom uh, for that pick. And man, I'm still in need of a handful of uh of positions here i think hmm, who i want to go with in this spot uh i think i'm going to go with heston kierstad uh as another outfielder i love he, that a lot actually i he's just a i like him he's just a fun uh talent to watch his his skill set he's the arkansas product of course he was the second overall pick in 2020 in that weird draft year um but man his numbers have been good this year and he just like he came into pro ball already looking and seeming so polished i remember watching him at arkansas in college and um just felt like a guy who wasn't going to need to be taught a lot and would be able to climb fairly quickly. Last year, uh, got some time at both A-ball levels. This year, double-A AA and triple-A. And combined between Bowie and Norfolk uh, in 70 games this year, 314, 393, 588 for a 981 OPS. He's homered 16 times. Um, I like him. He's just a very complete, well-rounded player, as if the Orioles uh, were in need of more of those guys. So I'm going with Heston Kierstad. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite stories about going to the Futures game, because he, you mentioned how he did last year, but he missed the season before that as he was battling myocarditis and trying to figure out how much he could play on the field and trying to get healthy. Uh, so th- th- he was a little bit of a forgotten man there for a while and took some time to to get into the swing of things last year, getting to play every day again. And I, I'm telling you, watching him in the fall league, like that swing is going to play really well in Baltimore. Left-handed bat. I even joked with him this spring training, like you should aim for Utah street. How many, how many homers do you think he's going to get out there? He's like, well, I need to get to the majors first. So I don't want to think about it. And I'm like, yeah, but you could, you could get some. He's like, when I get there, I'll try. Uh, So uh, really excited to see what he's going to, he's knocking on the door. The Orioles just gave a chance to Colton Cowser, of course, uh, another one of their top 100 prospects and probably their best prospect after Jackson holiday, more is coming. Heston Kirstead very much playing into that. Uh, My next pick. I am also going to the AAA International League, a guy who just got there and is absolutely hitting the crap out of the ball uh, at the minors' top level. That's Colt Keith, who I'm going to make my second baseman. Uh, he's actually played more second base than third since joining Toledo. It's it's close. He's got three starts at second, two starts at, at third. Uh, played a lot more third base than second when he was in Erie. Uh, it's not the defense I'm that much concerned about. It's the ability to make loud contact he really drives the ball a lot and he he's already slugging 720 through his first seven games at triple a there has been no transition needed for him to get there um it's a really special power bat from the left side he throws righty but hits lefty he's gotten off to an, an incredible start at Erie, he had 14 homers in 59 games, had a 977 OPS, slugged 585 there. 
If you want to quibble, maybe doesn't walk as much as you would like, but it's all going to be about the power bat. Uh, kind of, I'm already envisioning him being my number five or number six hitter. So Colt Keith will be my second baseman, uh, which is not normally something you say about second baseman, that they are power hitters like he is. Uh, but he will slot into that spot for me. And then four spots left. We're through six rounds so far. And I feel like I need to get another outfielder. So I'm going to go Spencer Jones of the New York Yankees. Spencer Jones of the New York Yankees, their first round pick last year out of Vanderbilt, another supremely tall guy. So we've got James Wood and Spencer Jones, right? Both around six foot six, six, seven. Uh, so I could be starting a basketball team here too, but Spencer Jones in the right organization to develop really tall outfielders. He has more speed than you would expect. Kind of similar to James Wood. I don't think he's quite as fast as James Wood, but still at comfortably average to above average speed plays a lot of center field this year at high a Hudson Valley packs a punch offensively. He struck out more than I think the Yankees would like, or a lot of people expected around 30%. I've kind of advocated for him to join the top 100 at some point because of that power speed combo. We're waiting for the bat to be a little bit more consistent for that to happen for, but for one game showcase, he has the tools to show, show something out here. So I'm going to go Spencer Jones as my third outfielder. All right. I'm taking my third outfielder next. And uh, I feel like I'm getting a steal here. Um, and now I'm like looking back to make sure that you haven't taken him and you haven't. And so I feel very good about this pick. I'm taking Justin Crawford in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Now he is baseball's number 87 prospect overall. I feel like I've got some sort of uh, intel on Justin Crawford because I'm uh, Instagram buddies with a former player on a team that I broadcasted for is now a member of the coaching staff with the Clearwater Threshers, Michael Jones. Um, But man, the stuff he posts about Justin Crawford, how good that dude is. His numbers this year, 52 games uh, in the Florida State League. He's hitting 344, 394, 64, uh, and just does it all. He's stolen 35 bases in 52 games so far this year. Um, I really like Justin Crawford, uh, and I'm going to take him. He was the 17th overall pick uh, in the first round last year. And then I'm going uh, I'm going off the chalk picks. I'm going with a surprise pick here, Sam, for uh, my pitcher. And you will understand why immediately. But I am going with former three-year starting shortstop at the University of Nebraska and now the sixth-ranked prospect and right-handed pitcher in the Atlanta organization, Spencer Schwellenbach, who I am taking. Spencer Schwellenbach has been outstanding this year for Augusta. Uh, 2.63 ERA. He struck out 41 against 15 walks. Um, I loved me some Spencer Schwellenbach when he was in school. Uh, He had a uh, Tommy John situation that removed uh, the 2022 season from his uh, baseball career after he was taken in the second round in 2021. But I really like what he's done coming back from TJ. And, uh, hey, man, a former two-way guy went to my alma mater who's available on that board. We're taking him. Taking him. Yeah. No, I, I like the sentimental pick. You probably could have gotten him last. <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of strategy here. Like, once, true. <laughs> once I took a shortstop, you could have laid off shortstop. Or maybe not. There's, the DH spot is available. That's true. Exactly. You know. uh, there is no secondary pitching spot. So you could have right. waited to take – Take him, but I like the sentiment. You weren't taking Spencer Schwellenbach. Yeah. No, that's good. No, I like it. Um, All right. So for my eighth selection, I'm going to address defense again. I'm going to Jefferson Cuero, again, of the Milwaukee Brewers. uh, So our second Milwaukee Brewers pick 
in this draft. There could have been another one. Jacob Mizorowski is a pitcher I like a lot, and I think he could really show something on Saturday. But when with Tink Henson said, Jefferson Cuero might be the best defensive catcher in all of the minor leagues, um, at least one with prospect status remaining. Uh, he works really well with, with pitchers. He has an incredible arm. I remember last year in the AFL, there was a while there where he was throwing out uh, base runners at a 50% clip. He, and that's really special in today's game, but especially in a futures game like this, like looking at your roster, Tyler, Jackson Churio is going to try to steal bases. Justin Crawford is definitely going to try to steal bases. Jordan Lawler is going to be running on the base pass. Harry Ford even has some speed to yeah, him. Yeah, so really good speed for a catcher. Yeah. So there are going to be a lot of guys running. I need somebody who's going to protect that aspect of the game and, and at least get them to think twice. I know Jackson Churio will probably think twice because he knows what Jefferson Cuero is capable of. So I'm going to take him as my catcher. He is a pretty good hitter too, I should say. He might be average with the bat, uh, but the defense definitely elevates the profile. And then for my DH, because I'm going to go DH here, um, I'm going to go with Brady House. Dang it! Of the Washington National System. Man! Uh, and talking to some people, and I hope Brady's okay with him. It's okay with him that I give him this nickname, but every time I talk to Nats people, I say Brady built like a house. The guy is massive. Oh, uh, they see. moved him to third base this year. Just because that's probably his best position. He certainly has the arm for it, but he's a massive human being with the power to match. Uh, battled some injuries last year that I think was a back injury that really sapped him of some of that power. He's been healthy this year, been much more productive, moving from single A to high A, playing in Wilmington, which is not an easy place to hit. Uh, it's notoriously one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in minor league baseball. He's kept the power going there, and I think, this is the perfect event for him. He's probably going to be swinging out of his shoes, but when he makes contact, it's very loud. So perfect DH for me. All right. Uh, well, you stole my DH, so I'm going to go with another guy who I'm very content to mix into the lineup. He can play the field as well as use the bat, uh, the hit tool as a DH. But I'm going to take the top San Diego Padres prospect, Jackson Merrill, uh, who we would be remiss if he was not off the board uh, by the end of this draft. So I'm going to take Jackson Merrill. So far this year uh, with Fort Wayne, 276, 315, 444 in the Midwest League. Uh, he's been really, really good there. And, um, you know, just another guy who has a, a very strong uh, all-around game, but the hit tool is a 60, power is 55, but still a lot of feeling as though he'll grow into more power. He's uh, listed at 6'3", 195, but he's only 20 years old. Uh, he's going to continue getting bigger and better and hitting for more pop. And then I'm going to round things out with uh, my second baseman, and that's Nick York of the Boston Red Sox organization, currently with the AA Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, had some uh, early career injury issues toe issues, back issues, uh, wrist injury, uh, and some stuff that, you know, may have dated back, uh, to earlier in, in his baseball career, some shoulder problems back in, uh, his prep days, but seems healthy, um, has been really good so far this year, uh, in Portland and eight eighteen OPS through 68 games, uh, showing some pop. He's got nine homers this year at double a, so taking Nick York, to round things out, I am very happy uh, with this group. Maybe more than that, I'm also very happy that I think all of the Jacksons who are available on the board have been uh, selected. Yeah. Let me let me just make sure if I search through the top 100, uh, yeah, three Jacksons all picked, two of them on my team. Good. We filled our Jackson quota. Oh, man, I lost the Jackson series. You did lose how, the Jackson How did I allow this to happen? It was I, like tic-tac-toe, and I outmaneuvered you to get my second Jackson yeah. Uh, I will, I will commend you for that pick of Jackson Merrill. I'm kind of kicking myself. I think I went like too prototypical or stereotypical 
DH with Brady House of like who's the power bat here. Jackson Merrill's not necessarily that guy, but he's definitely the better overall hitter. Um, I almost wanted to go 65 grade hit tool on him coming into the year. And I think it's taken him some time to warm up in that cold Midwest league environment, but yeah, Just congrats this, to you. Point of this big old brain up here. I know. Sam. Yeah. Look at, look at you being smart. Tyler. It's the way we build these franchises. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I only have one pick left It is my first base pick. I am going with Kyle Manzardo of the Tampa Bay Rays. Not necessarily the year you would hope out of Kyle Manzardo at AAA this year, but you know this is his second full season. They got aggressive in pushing him to AAA. I really appreciate that they did that for him. He's not striking out a ton. It's twenty five point or twenty point five percent, which is not significant for somebody who's got a little bit of power. Uh, it's usually going to be hit over power profile for him, though. I would expect that to come around as he gets more experience at the minors top level. Because you look at last year, hit 329 at high A, 323 at double A, um, was walking and striking out in almost equal equal measure, finished the year with 22 homers. It's all still there for Kyle Manzardo. It's just needing to get that experience at the minors top level. So I think that's going to come around. Um, it, it's an interesting debate, like who's the better first base prospect between him and Tyler Soderstrom. Uh, Soderstrom's a little bit younger. I think that might give him the advantage. Uh, he's a little bit better defensively at first base, I think. But uh, still, Manzardo on his day can certainly hit the ball really well. So happy to round out my lineup with him. And that'll do it. That Those are our 10 picks uh, for the Futures game draft. Tyler, you want to run through your team these real quick? Good teams. I like these teams. Uh, yeah, my, uh, first selection, Jackson Churio, one of my three outfielders. He's in the Baltimore or from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers organization. Jordan Lawler will be my shortstop. He'll be teamed on the left side of the infield with Noel V. Marte behind the plate is Harry Ford. Another guy who could play behind the plate, but is over at first base, Tyler Soderstrom. Uh, my other two outfielders, Heston Kierstad and Justin Crawford, Spencer Schwellenbach, the wild card is my starting pitcher. Uh, Jackson Merrill, a guy who can uh, play it short as well as DH and Nick York rounds things out as my second second baseman i like this group that is very fun and this is the great thing about the futures game right is that we get to experience this not for not in these ways not but like, these rosters exactly but yeah but these all all these guys are going to be playing on saturday That's yeah really all right my team real fast jackson holiday again baltimore orioles shortstop number one overall prospects according to mlb pipeline james wood is my first outfielder junior camonero will be starting at third p crow armstrong in the middle of the diamond in center tank hence will be my starting pitcher colt keith Tigers slugger at second Spencer Jones, New York Yankees first round pick from last year, filling the other outfield spot. going to stick him in left Jefferson Cuero is my catcher Brady house starting at DH and Kyle Manzardo playing the cold corner at first base. Pretty good group too. As a pretty good group. We should also mention real quick before we wrap up this segment. uh, This will not be the only draft that is coming up in the next few days. The first year player draft will be starting from Seattle also on Sunday, uh, big debate at the top of the draft. The Pirates have the number one overall selection. Very fun pick for them. LSU stars Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, certainly in that conversation. Also, Wyatt Langford, the Florida slugger. Uh, so tune in on Sunday. Tyler, do you have any opinions on who you would take of those three? Oh, man, um, it's like this is one of those drafts where I, I'm sort of not super envious of uh the people who have to make that decision of who you go with number one i think i would go paul skeens um 
I mean, that dude just throughout the year, the electricity that he has brought to every single start uh, throughout this, I mean, since February for LSU, that's who I think I would go with. But it's one of those things where, yes, you have a glut of this incredible talent uh, in the top pick in the draft. And then you just, if you're, you know, somebody of a certain age, you just think like, man, hope you don't get the Ryan Leaf out of this, uh, <laughs> this collection of talent, um, but, or the Darko Milicic or, uh, you know, whoever, uh, what about you? Yeah. Or to use a baseball analogy, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about like the year in which Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer were picked again, a year in which the pirates had the number one over pick. Right. They went with Garrett Cole, Danny Holson went second. Yeah. And underwent Mariners, some serious injury correct. problems at what? To the Mariners, correct? Mariners out of Virginia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and went through some injury issues. Yep. And I mean, people believed he was talented, but you can't predict injuries. And I think for right. that reason, I lean towards Dylan Cruz myself. Okay. I just think Makes he's sense. the best hitter in this draft. Guy who's going to play every day. Langford played a lot of left field this year for uh, Florida. And for that, I kind of give Cruz a, a leg up. I think you plug him into center field, he's going to handle it a little bit better than, than Langford would. Um, but yeah, give me the everyday guy. And if, if Dylan Cruz wasn't Dylan Cruz, I would advocate for Paul Skeens, even knowing the injury risk, uh, that pitchers break down. Now, this is just what happens because he is that good. A guy like sitting one hundred, one Oh one nights with a absolute killer of a slider is not something you find. And I don't even know how much development he needs. You just need to run him out there every fifth, every sixth day. And he'll be in the majors maybe by this time next year. Um, but just that little bit of risk worries me at 1-1. So I, I would go towards Dylan Cruz and just know that guy's going to constantly be hitting around 300, going to be hitting 20, 25, 30 homers and playing in the middle of the park. So that's a, that's a valuable, valuable pick. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe there'll be an upset. I mean, nobody around this time two years ago thought the Pirates would take Henry Davis. Uh, much different draft then was not necessarily the generational talents that there are in Skeens and Cruz, but, you know, I like being surprised in the draft. And uh, all of that, of course, you can follow and continue to follow at uh, MLB Pipeline and uh, on the network and everywhere else with the Futures game coming up on Peacock. But draft coverage, of course, uh, and everything else coming to the network as All-Star Week arrives. And again, the minor leagues uh, taking a little bit of a pause as well, but so much fun baseball stuff coming up. Uh, we'll step aside for our final uh, timeout. Josh Jackson swings by with Ghost of the Miners, and we're back to wrap it up after that. interrupt this podcast to bring you another thrilling edition of Ghosts of the Miners. Now, here's your correspondent and host, Joshua Jackson. Padre Padres! You 
may think it's fishy, but the Marlin Marlins were members of the Central Texas League for two seasons over a hundred years ago. It was a small pond, just a 16 circuit in 1916 and a four team one in 1917, but even in those shallow waters, the Marlins proved mere minnows. Representing a small town a little more than 20 miles south-southeast of Waco in Falls County, the Marlins were situated quite distant from the Gulf of Mexico or any other place a reasonable saltwater sport fish might habituate. And they got their name not from the namesake of today's Miami Marlins, but were hooked on it via the namesake of Marlin itself. Marlin the town, that is, which is to say, Texas settler John Marlin, who met his maker at the trading post then known as Buxnort in 1847, three years before Marlin was named after him, Marlin. And the Marlin Marlins were named after it, in a way. Throughout much of the 19th and early 20th centuries, most ball clubs came by their names honestly and accidentally. Few name the team contests, and even fewer consulting firms were involved. Often, a team was stuck with whatever nickname fans around town started calling it, or however newspapers around the league referred to it. The Marlin Marlins likely came to be called such by the same means, for example, that the Philadelphia Phillies came to be called the Philadelphia Marlins. I mean, Phillies. No matter what you call them, don't call them a winner. They had no sweet season in 16, their inaugural campaign. Despite getting a league tying 10 homers from W.C. Comstock, they went 25-36 and 36 for last place. The post at the helm of the Marlins was a loose fish too, as not Bob Tarleton, nor Bob Countryman, nor Fielder Murray could hold the managerial job fast. And 17 was hardly any better in any respect, and much worse in the most important respect. That year, the Marlins ceased their bottom dwelling, leaping up all the way to third place, which would have been much more impressive had there been more than four teams in the league, and had any team on the loop played more than 15 games before the whole shebang shut down on June 6th. Some sources say that was because of America's budding involvement in the Great War, but the Corsicana semi-weekly light printed it dark and clear reporting that the teams are not drawing sufficiently to warrant continuing the season. And that's how the Marlins were gutted. Thin. Now, on to the question for next time. Which of these teams had its share of ups and downs in the minors of yesteryear? A. The Asheville Overlookers. B. The Pittsfield Hillies. C. The Otisville Elevators. Want to know the answer? Keep watching the skies, or tune into the next Ghosts of the Miners. But for now, you'll have to excuse me. My producer Ben Hill isn't ready for the draft, and I've got to find his whimpering. Big thanks, as always, to Josh Jackson for stopping by this week's episode of the show before the show. Uh, before we get out of here, we're in the, the one sort of unique week in that uh coming up next week we don't really have a whole lot of minor league baseball uh to talk about or preview we've got a break in the minor leagues monday through thursday to coincide with major league all-star break of course um so you know go go experience life outdoors do something fun uh there is still baseball of course coming up this week ben is there a thing uh on the promo front throughout the last few days of this week ahead of the break or even on internet, well, you know, whenever. What are you most excited about for uh, the next promo to watch? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things. Um, 
I'm going to choose something just because it's it's a unique event and uh, ongoing. Uh, the Rochester Red Wings, their uh, current homestand started on Monday, uh, or no, Tuesday, July 4th. July 4th was a Tuesday. I think like a lot of people right now, it's been hard to keep track mm-hmm. of what day it is. But their most, the Rochester Red Wings' most recent homestand started on July 4th, and it runs through July 9th, which would be Sunday. Throughout the entirety of that span, July 4th through the July 9th, uh, the team is staging intentional walk where they have a, a treadmill set up on the concourse and around the clock, they have a staff member and at times community member. I saw they had the mayor of Rochester you know, on the treadmill at one point, but I think mostly uh, Rochester Red Wings employees, you know, full-time front office, game day, whatever, someone is on that treadmill around the clock for the entirety of the homestand. And it's, uh, of course, it, it's a goofy thing to do. And of course, as a charitable element, you you know, you can go to the Red Wings website. Um, there's a QR code to donate. Um, you know, they're doing it to raise money for the local Boys and Girls Club, local chapter of uh, Big Brothers, Big Sister, that kind of thing. Um, but that's the kind of minor league spirit I always like to uh, endorse of, you know, not just raising money for something, not just partnering uh, with local community organizations, but finding a way to say, like, how are people going to pay attention to this? You know, the fans in the stands at the game, like what's going on, um, the media coverage, the results from that kind of thing. And their goal, they said, is 500 miles, which seems like a lot. But then also, if it's around the clock. Yeah, we're talking about there's uh, like something yeah. on the treadmill at 4 a.m. I was going to say, is this the whole clock or is this Look, business hours? It said around the clock. Wow, that would now, suggest 24 hours. I feel like they'll shatter 500 Now, miles. if it's around the clock, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, that's six days. That's maybe it starts at the first game of the homestand, ends at the last pitch. But if it's around the clock in between that, then you'd have to average. It's 148 hours, right? So four six miles an hour. 24. That's actually. Eh. Yeah. So it has to be around the clock to get 500 miles. There's no way you could do 500 miles in the I think you'll get there. In the span of just six games, it only even if you go from gates open to like last fan in the ballpark, you couldn't get 500 miles just based on that. There, it's set around the clock, and we have it to has take- to be because the average walking speed of an adult, uh, according to just a random search on Google, is uh, between two and a half and four miles per hour. So you got to have like a good. Yeah, this is from uh, this is from Nike, which uh, cites some study. Uh, yeah, that's like a you got to keep up a pretty good pace. I guess. Yeah, so it's a good pace. Yeah, I imagine. I would have thought like, ah, oh, that's easy. Uh, you know. Well, that's what it seemed. I was like, around the clock, that many days, that many yeah. people. It doesn't seem that much, but yeah, when you break it down, it is a lot. I would imagine they're playing the Proclaimers pretty regularly. Um, you know, during this <laughs> this promotion, you're only allowed to play that song once per day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's when uh, I step on the treadmill. Otherwise, no. Whoever yeah. draws like the the four to six a.m. slot, oof, yeah, I feel very real bad. warrior. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I like. And there's had to be a bunch of them, you know, around yeah. the clock. Um, and another thing I want to mention: this is not a promotion, but just didn't have like an. A space to say this, but, you know, I like to keep track of the weird things going on in minor league baseball it was passed along a good tidbit this past Saturday. The Fresno Grizzlies beat the Stockton ports 13 to six. OK, oh, was, I know. but the Stockton going. ports scored six runs on six hits and six airs. And they had. Six wow. Airs. Yeah. The yeah, mark of the beast. Six, six runs, six hits and six airs. I don't think I'd ever seen that in a line score before, but the devil is in the details. 
<laughs> I was going to say, do we have like a, I feel like that should have happened with the, the Iowa Cubs when they're the demonios for, uh, for Copa that would have made when they're the demons, that would have made a lot more sense. We don't have a, yeah, there's gotta be a devil's or, or if the Tampa Bay affiliate wanted to yeah, play as the devil rays again that's for true. a day, you know, that is the bowling true. green devil rays. Yeah. That could work. You have to commit six errors, which is like, I guess you, you <laughs> yeah, can control really how many errors really aiming for it. Well, that's uh, the real hard part. That's where the commitment to Satan comes in because <laughs> like, Six runs on six hits. Yeah, no you can do six runs on six hits. That's fine. But when you make six errors to go along with it, then you got to wonder, like, whoa, you guys yeah. are really into this. That's a good point. Yeah, it's uh, huh. quite a revelation. By you <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Sam, uh, not a ton of baseball. Obviously, we've got a normal weekend, uh, but then Monday we'll hit the pause. Is there anybody you've got uh, your eyes especially focused on for the uh, the couple of days over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'll just throw it again to to say that everybody should tune in to the Futures game in Seattle on Saturday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time start, uh, 4 p.m. local time at Seattle's T-Mobile Park. That'll be on Peacock. It'll also be on Sirius XM if you want to listen to the radio broadcast. Uh, but the telecast that'll be on Peacock will be with Dave Sims on play-by-play, Yonder Alonzo as an analyst, our good friend and co-worker Jonathan Mayo, also as an analyst, and Sierra Santos and Caroline Pineda working as reporters. So there'll be a lot of coverage around the Futures game. Check out MLB.com slash Pipeline and MILB.com to find out the standouts and the standout moments from the Futures game. But this is what we have is like a minor league all-star game now. Uh, we don't have league all-star games anymore, at least currently. But this is an opportunity to see so many different dudes on the same field and measuring themselves up. Uh, and they are going to want to showcase their skills. This matters to these guys. You talk to any, anybody who's ever played in the Futures game, they care about it. They talk about it for years to come. So a lot of great memories will be coming Saturday on Peacock. So all of that is ahead this weekend, and uh, we will be back to catch you all next week. Big thanks to Kurt Bloom for joining the show with Ben. And uh, for Benjamin Hill, Sam Dykstra, Josh Jackson, and everybody else, my name is Tyler Mon. We'll talk to you next week. 